Good afternoon, Packers fans. Aaron Nagler here with your Packers Daily Chat, coming to you live on the Cheesehead TV social channels. It is Monday. Hope you all had a good weekend. I had a crazy weekend. <laughs> Some good things, but a bunch of challenges along the way this past weekend. Uh, Friday, I broke my glasses after stumbling and falling and busting up my shoulder and phone, uh, along with breaking my glasses in two. Uh, so it's been a, it's been a weekend of uh, optometrist visits and got an order in for new glasses. But I will be uh, using my phone here to try and read some of your comments because God knows, looking at the computer, I can't read anything. I am as blind as a bat. So hopefully you guys can be patient with me today and for the next couple days because it's uh, it's going to be a juggling act here at Packers Daily. But I hope you're well. Obviously, lots yet to play out this off season. Hope you all enjoyed the Aaron Rodgers astrology uh, session. I think that might still be going on, actually. Uh, I saw Justice was live tweeting it. Um, hey, man, dig what you dig. It's what we always say here at Packers Daily. When people talk about preferences, hey, dig what you dig. Not hurting anybody else, it's cool. Not into astrology myself, but that's just me. What I am into is getting after the quarterback and uh, making quarterbacks' lives miserable and you know, a good way to do that is have some pressure on the edge. And the Packers, you know, it's interesting. I was looking at the edge group today, and I'm thinking, you know, if Rashawn Gary was coming back and was, you know, going to be there no problem week one, I don't hate the group that they have on hand. I think that especially with as well as Enigbari played throughout much of the year, uh, you throw on the tape, you see him really making life miserable for people in obvious passing situations. His pass rush win rate is incredible, especially against the, the lot of rookies that – you compare him against, but even league wide against other, you know, edge rushers, he had a really solid year and a really kind of promising season. And then you throw in Hollins, the guy they picked up from uh, the Rams, who I think really hit the ground running. Um, you start to see a collection of, you know, there's, and obviously Preston Smith is there opposite Rashawn. You start to see like, yeah, there's a way of working here. Like there's a way forward. But then you remember Rashawn Gary isn't going to be available week one, let alone probably the first month or so of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts on PUP and isn't available until the second half of the year. So that makes things a little more dicey. Um, you know, you've got your Jonathan Garvins of the world that really don't add anything to your pass rush. I thought his play in particular really kind of took a step back this past season in pretty much every aspect of the game. Um, so then it becomes, well, okay, we, we, we can make this work, but then you look at the contract situations, and especially with Preston Smith having just signed his deal, you think Rashawn Gary will undoubtedly be getting that kind of ex big-time extension, even though he's you know, obviously coming off an injury, what have you. They want to lock him up long-term. And you've got Anibari, who you just drafted. And then you wonder, do they really want to put more resources, more money into that, in that position? I don't know. It gets, it gets a little dubious there. So I am fascinated to see how it plays out this offseason. I do think I wouldn't be surprised if they used a day one or two pick in the draft. I think they're going to have to obviously be frugal in free agency. Don't really know even how that free agency class shakes out yet. We'll wait until we get through kind of the tag period, right, and re-signings because there's always a ton of that prior to the actual start of the new league year. But the upside is there for the Packers. The, the ability to get after the quarterback is definitely there. Um, you'd like to see it happen with a little bit more regularity, even with Rashawn on the field. Um, they clearly feasted on some weak offensive tackles at times, both he and Preston. Um, 
but I think you know Rashawn was on on his way to a really good year uh, prior to getting injured there in Detroit. Things, you know, I think Barry did a good job initially of kind of changing things up a little bit, you know, bouncing Quay Walker outside, trying to utilize him a little bit. But as the year went on, he kind of dialed that back and and played a lot of straight up rush and kind of cover six or cover two behind it. And it was effective, you know, getting those defensive backs and their eyes on the quarterback. And as long as you can collapse the pocket, you're cooking with gas. Um, the problem is, is when you have a straight up four man rush consistently that doesn't collapse the pocket or constrict the quarterback, then you're in trouble. And that's where the Packers seemingly had very little kind of um, answer or creativity. So if that is going to be their preferred method, right, if that is going to be their default setting, so to speak. Now, obviously, you're always going to have wrinkles, but if your default, what you're always going to be trying to do is rush for and play coverage underneath or behind, you've got to be able to get after that quarterback. And that a big part of that, obviously, is going to be your edge rush group. So I think there there will undoubtedly be some investment there. I don't know at what level, um, but I'm hoping uh, we see, you know, a significant uh, addition. And that doesn't need to be some monster free agent, but um, maybe, like I said, a day two draft pick, something along those those lines. Because if you are going to continue to just rush four, you got to be able to get home because those guys can't cover forever, regardless of whether you're asking them to play eyes on the quarterback or trying to play man. Uh, we've seen that too many times in Green Bay in the last couple of years where they are playing man and they're actually pretty damn effective when they go that route. But if the quarterback has all day, you can't cover forever. You just can't. So that was my two cents. Hello to everybody in the comments section. So good to see everybody. I'm going to start with Ryan here. Um, let's see what I got here. Oh, gosh. Now i got to try and read, which is always a fun, fun time. Uh, Ryan. Las Vegas would be the perfect spot for Rodgers. It's a dome stadium, warmer climate, good for Rodgers, aging and brittle bones. I'm glad you brought this up because it is funny. It is funny to watch all of the headlines and the memes and all the quotes coming out about Rodgers and the Raiders. And hey, I know, what was it Sam Barrington put it out there on Twitter? Former Packer Sam Barrington, his source says, going to the Raiders. Now, you know, look, I do not doubt for a moment that. Uh, the Raiders would love to have Aaron Rodgers. But wasn't it like a week and a half ago or something like that? We heard from Peter King talking about, oh, the Jets are ready to pay two first rounders, etc. I mean, a couple weeks ago it was the Jets. This past week it's been the Raiders. I'm sure next week it'll be somebody else. As long as Rodgers keeps you know, quiet about his intentions, these things are going to bubble up from time to time, team to team. And look, again, I don't doubt that at least somewhat internally probably in Las Vegas and in New York, uh, in the Jets headquarters, these conversations are probably being had and thoughts about it. Yeah, we could possibly trade for the four-time MVP. But man, I don't put much stock in any of it until Rodgers indicates what the hell it is he wants to do. You know, But I hear what you're saying. And yeah, I think it would be probably a decent spot for him given their, their new stadium. He's always loved playing on the turf and it allows him uh, to throw in a you know, controlled environment. So, yeah, and of course, he's got Devontae. So I think uh, all those things kind of add up. Uh, Jeff, thanks to Super Chat. Story says Jerry Gray didn't follow Barry's defense. What I'd like to know is way his defense defiance early was his defiance early season or late. Not sure what story you're talking about there, Jeff, as far as not following his defense. I know he was asked about um, the tendencies, especially when it came to press coverage, and he said he'd have to ask Joe, but I don't. 
recall reading he didn't follow Barry's defense. You kind of have to follow the coordinator's defense. Um, and as far as defiance, I don't think it's – I know everyone wants to paint it like it's I.O., input-output, or A.B., or black-white. I don't ever think it's that simple, right? Um, could it be possible that Jerry you know, didn't really appreciate or like the defense that Barry was running? Yeah, sure. Of course, that's entirely possible. We all go to gigs where – you know, we're not enthralled or in love with what we're being asked to do or what, you know, how things are being run. But I think Jerry's a really good coach and I think he's doing everything he can to help the Packers succeed. I don't think there was any defiance, so to speak, you know, unhappiness, maybe, but you'd have to talk to Jerry about that. And we really haven't heard from Jerry uh, at all, really, um, this entire offseason. I'm interested to see if he gets some kind of media availability in Atlanta. Um, but as far as I know, as far as I've seen, uh, I haven't haven't uh, seen anything along those lines down coming out of there. Uh, what else we got? What else we got? I'm going to try my hardest to make happy hour tomorrow. Krista, you better. You better. They've been popping off. I'm kidding. They've been actually pretty chill, but that's to be expected, right? While we're all in this kind of, you know, cycle of will he or won't he with Aaron Rodgers, I think everything's kind of on hold. So there's not really a ton popping off regarding like recent Packers developments just because there haven't been any, right? We all know, like say Joe Barry sticking around. That That's, you know, the one thing that I think Packers fans were wondering about. We've gotten our answer there at least so far. Um, although I will find, I do say I not to stir anything, but I will say it's interesting. The longer we take here to get here from the Packers and Matt LaFleur um, finalizing his coaching staff, the more interesting it is. I mean, still don't have a release from the Packers saying who's doing what. And I know they have to hire or promote a defensive backs coach. So clearly that hasn't happened yet. So you got to think, yes, Matt's probably in the process of doing so, et cetera. Um, and look, we've gone through the combine in years past, which is this year at the end of February, where Matt still needed to hire a wide receivers coach. So maybe they're just holding off until they can interview one or two guys that have shaken loose because of staff kind of things going on and there's a number of teams that don't even have a head coach yet i mean the colts are on what their fourth week of needing a head coach cardinals still don't have a head coach i know the broncos just introduced um sean payton today so it feels like things are a bit more elongated this year but i am fascinated by the fact that you know they haven't uh haven't announced anything officially in green bay oh wait this first one uh dave thanks for the super chat the guys from the watch podcast like to say that tv shows teach you how to watch them the tv show that is the packers has definitely taught me how to handle all the nonsense i think that's a really good way of going about it i think that's a really smart kind of way to process everything around the green bay packers especially when aaron Rodgers is in town and look that's not an attack on aaron but we all know how these things work now right the last three years or so everything happening around the Packers is driven by Aaron Rodgers. So we all, we've all run this route. We've all seen this movie. We all know how it plays out. You know, now maybe this off season has a little different ending, which is obviously going to send us down a very different path as a franchise. And then maybe we don't know how to watch that TV show as much anymore. And maybe there are a few more surprises, right? But right now we all know how it works. So yeah, I think, yeah, that's not a, it's not a terrible way to look at it. Uh, Vex, thanks for the super chat. What advanced stats do you value? I saw a graph of Rogers EPA, but I'm reticent to assign all of the offensive woes on 12. It's a really good question. I don't, you know, I'm not a big proponent for any of the 
like big time advanced metrics. I know they are all valuable and they all can tell a story and reveal things. And I think if you can marry them up with the tape, they're certainly um, great guideposts to use. I, I, I'm always wary of people who use it as a definitive kind of, I don't know, I want to say they declare victory because, you know, oh, well, look, here's the EPA. Well, yeah, but why, you know, there are so many levels in an NFL football game in this every single play, let alone an entire game or season that, you know, I, I think they can be indicative of stuff and lead you to the tape and help you ask questions. So why is this? And why is that? I'm down with that. Um, I will say though, the, the one, it's not really an advanced metric anymore. It's pretty standard now. Most people use it as DVOA from football outsiders when it comes to how teams are playing throughout the season. And I think DVOA got a bad rap by some of the old heads jumping on it early and kind of dismissing it. But I think if you look at DVOA throughout a season and how teams are playing, DVOA does a really good job of capturing who's playing maybe better than their record, maybe hasn't, or or if they have a good record, maybe they've played some really suspect competition. And I think DVOA does a really good job of kind of sifting through that. Now, look, nothing's perfect. You know, there are way too many variables in football for any stat to be perfect. But I do think DVOA does a good job in when, when it comes to not only the records of football teams throughout a season, but also how they're playing on both sides of the ball, like offensive DVOA or defensive DVOA. I think those are good guideposts, again, that can send you places to ask the right questions. But as far as, again, definitive answers, I, I, I'm always kind of reluctant to go there. That's just me. What else we got, folks? What else we got? Brandy, what? Peter Bukowski is putting all this shit out. <laughs> Peter Bukowski always is putting all this shit out. It's what he does, man. I don't know. I mean, Pete approaches the game the way he approaches it. Obviously, it's not the way I do and the way others do, but I think there's a lot of people who appreciate his approach, and that's dope. It's good for them. I mean... I think there are uh, a lot of different people doing a lot of different kind of content work around the Green Bay Packers. So it allows you to pick and choose what you want to consume. And that's a good thing. That's where I'm at with it. Uh, number one Packer fan, does it seem that Green Bay has a history of sticking with things that don't work too long, rather than, whether it be player, scheme, staff, etc.? Yeah, I've felt that. I've definitely felt that. It, this season kind of drove that home, right? whether it was Amari Rogers still back there returning punts, uh, whether it was uh, Rasul Douglas being stuck in the slot, you know, and the only reason that changed is because Stokes got injured. That really reminded me of Desmond Bishop back in the day, not being able to get on the field when everyone could see he needed to be playing. And the only reason he got on the field was due to injury. Devontae Wyatt this past season, showing some real promise there early in the year, but not getting on the field at a regular clip until Dean Lowry got injured. Like, why does it take injuries for you to make a move forward? Like that feels like your, I don't know. feels like the opposite of all gas, no break. I'll tell you that. But yes, I, I feel that. And it's not just the staff. It's not just Matt. It definitely feels very conservative in the sense of throughout Green Bay's recent history. No doubt. I would agree with that. Uh, what else we got? Carl. Thanks for the super chat. Hi, Nags. Do you think Rodgers has the ability to adapt as he ages like Manning did in Denver? I just don't see it happening. Carl, I'll tell you what. Before this season, 
before 2022, I would have said, yes, Rodgers will have no problem if he gets traded and has to run at least somewhat of a different offense and adapt his game, etc. But man, he didn't do a great job of that this year in Green Bay. It was very obvious when they traded Devontae that their best two offensive weapons were in the backfield in Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And yet he and Matt just kept running the same type of offense, spreading things out, lots of kind of matchups on the perimeter, asking guys to go win. Like that will always be crazy to me. How you don't button it up, run a bunch of, you know, run in particular, run the football, try and help yourself. Um, yeah, I would have I would have thought Rodgers would want to lead into that, but he clearly didn't. And so yeah, I think I think he can. I think he would win another MVP in a, a kind of a run first offense that he was asked to, you know, make a third down throw, make a touchdown throw, get you out of a bad look. You can still do all that. You're still really good at all that. I mean, I I've said it before and I'll say it again. There's a reason he was so effective in that Dallas game. It's the game he threw the fewest passes. It's the game they were able to run the ball really effectively. That should be the blueprint, especially he's hitting about the 40 or the 39 years old. But for whatever reason, that just doesn't seem to be in the cards, so to speak. I mean, look, look no further. I mean, it's not Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is a much better player. But look at Russell Wilson. You know, you don't have to look much further than Russell Wilson's complete fall crash to earth in Denver, where he's trying to, quote, cook, right? Trying to spread the ball around, trying to sling it around the yard. Maybe Pete Carroll knew what he was doing when he was like, no, 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 no. Let's button it up. Let's run the football. And Russell Wilson was really effective in that offense. I think Aaron Rodgers could be too, if he allowed it to happen. But I get the sense that he wants to, quote, play quarterback. And he wants to, you know, get up to the line of scrimmage control things from the pocket, and that's fine. You can still do it. You just can't do it nearly at the level he used to be able to, especially with Devontae out of town. Now, maybe he comes back this year, and he and Watson hit the ground running, and he's you know finding explosive plays. I'd love it, man. I'd be all over it, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's an interesting question. Uh, what else we got? Joe just says, Joe's got a super chat here, which is literally just Chris Jackie, SMH. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. I have a guess what it might be about, but uh, hey, man, he's allowed his opinion, whatever that opinion may be and what it might be about. I have no idea what you're referencing, but uh, like I said, I can I can guess. Um, the rules make you pass heavy. I mean, the rules are there. They certainly kind of invite passing, right? There's no doubt about it. Funnily enough, I was just talking about that on Twitter today because of the Trent Dilfer quote. Um, you know, yeah, the, the rules were changed in the late 70s because the scoring was down so much. And they were like, well, people are out here and they want to show and we're going to make it easier to throw the football. And for that reason, yeah, I think there are a lot of teams that want to throw it around the yard because it's, quote unquote, supposed to be easier. Well, I think this year showed why that's maybe a bit kind of misleading. Like, yes, if you have a team and a squad that's maybe uh, worked together a little bit, and it doesn't even need to be the perimeter guys. I mean, I think you know guys with experience, though, in the NFL would certainly help if you want to run that type of kind of offense, right? But you could throw in a bunch of rookies out there. 
you know, former undrafted guy is your number one. I just don't know, man. It just feels like you're fighting uphill for no reason. Like you're doing it to yourself. That's, that's just me. Joe, thank you for the super chat. A lot of players skipped some drills at Combine last year, supposedly due to the changes in schedule they didn't like. Any changes this year? I remember that. Uh, not that I've seen. Um, I, I've, you know, been credentialed for the Combine. I'll be there. If I hear about anything, I'll let you know. But um, I suspect even with the schedule, if they put it all the way back, right, and they, they said, okay, we'll go back to the entirely old schedule, and you guys should do all the reps, I still think there'll be a lot of guys dropping out. Um, these guys want the controlled environment of their school, their pro day, what have you, more often than not. I think we'll we'll see a little correction back to maybe a few more guys doing drill work. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was still a whole lot of guys opting out. Would be my be my guess. Is Tom Clements back next year if 12 is? I would suspect so, Robin. It's no guarantee. He's getting up there, no question about it. But I would think, yes, if Aaron is back. Tom would want to be back. And that is, you know, that's that's another thing they might be waiting on as far as Aaron needs to make that decision. And then if Aaron is decide has decided that he wants to come back, but he wants to be traded, well, then is Tom coming back? Because if not, they've got to hire somebody to coach quarterbacks. And that's a pretty damn important job if you're transitioning to Jordan Love. So yeah, there's a lot of balls in the air there. Uh, what else we got here? We got the well Hungarian. What a name. Next, if Aaron Rodgers gets traded, why is there still a hit to their cap in 2023 if he's on another team? I'm so confused. Mostly because of the bonus structure, and it's uh, part of the way that NFL contracts are prorated throughout the life of the deal. But uh, unfortunately, it's part of the cap. You just have to live with it. And I know it feels weird to be paying for a dude who's playing on another team, but look no further than this past season when the Packers were paying a not insignificant portion of their cap to Zadarius Smith while he was playing in Minnesota. It's just life in the NFL. It is also life when you are constantly kicking the can like the Packers have been. You're going to see a few more of those here in the next couple of years. Spreading it out five wide on fourth and one drove me crazy. Justin, I hear you, but I'll tell you, I, I understand it in the sense that Aaron Rodgers knows what he's looking at, right? And he knows where that matchup should be the most advantageous. And especially if you get something where you've got a crossing pattern or a mesh where you're going to hopefully spring a guy just free because you only need one yard, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I get it. I understand it. I hate it when it's used repeatedly. I always say I don't mind five wide as a wrinkle. I hate it when it's part of the base offense and you've seen way too much of it as base. Um, but yeah, on fourth and one, it is frustrating. It can be frustrating. I know they did a lot under Mike. Um, it seems that Aaron's kept that around, so to speak, but there's a reason for everything and there's advantages to everything. And especially if you have Aaron Rodgers, you kind of think, yeah, he's seen everything. He knows what defenses are trying to do in that situation and how they can hopefully take advantage. doesn't always work out, but yeah, I don't, yeah. I get it. You'd much rather, I would much rather they, yeah, button it up, get under center, hand the ball to AJ Dillon. That's why you fucking drafted him, right? So, I feel you. Well, I got Soder here. What's up, Soder? How you doing, man? Um, When you have two top running backs in overall efficiency, you run the damn ball because they are effective. Soder, I would like to quote a great philosopher who once said, stop making sense. Because, man, that stuff drives me nuts. All right, everybody, I'm going to have to get going. I can't thank you enough for hanging out, talking Packers each and every day, Monday through Friday, right here 
on the Cheesehead TV social channels. Thank you so much for putting up with my blindness. Like I said, it's going to be be like that for the next couple of days while I wait for my new glasses. But I uh, really appreciate it, everyone. Uh, please do me a monster favor. Hit like on the video. Subscribe to the channel. And then tell your friends and tell your family, Cheesehead TV, we are devoted to Green Bay Packers fans worldwide. Thanks a lot, everybody. Have a great night. Go Pack Go.